gospel of Matthew tonight. The gospel of Matthew. Actually, you turn in your Bibles to the gospel of Mark, chapter number 4. I'll read out of Matthew, our theme verse of scriptures. But if you can turn into Mark, chapter number 4, uh, tonight, we'll start in verse 1. And as you're turning there, I want to make a couple announcements tonight. I want to say thank you for all you who have reached out to our family. Some of you know, some of you don't know. Uh, my mom's only brother passed away this morning. Uh, Kind of unexpectedly, he'd been battling cancer, and they told him about a month ago he had about six months to live, but he passed away uh, this morning, and so it's kind of unexpected, so thank you for the prayers for our family. We're going to work out a way to, to head up there, hopefully in the next couple days, and so mom's flying out Friday, so keep her lifted up in your prayers and, and them lifted up, and, and thank you for your prayers and support on that, and, and we'll keep you updated on how everything is going, and it's so awesome to, to have an amazing church family that you can lean on and depend on in, in times like this, and so we're so excited. Excited that that all of you who have reached out and, and loved on us and thank you for your prayers and support and so we also want to encourage all you who are in your 21 days of prayer and fasting to keep fighting the good fight of faith amen let's finish strong let's see what God would have us do and so if you're fasting I want to encourage you to keep seeking the kingdom of God in every area of your life I know there's sometimes a struggle I know there's sometimes a hardship I know as you fast and you're in the 21 days and we're on day eight today and some of you are thinking we haven't even made it halfway through the process and I don't even know how I've made it this far much less making it through the rest of it that, that we got to go through the other 13 days or whatever and I want to encourage you Jesus said I have food to eat that you know nothing about and I want you to stand on that word from God. He's got substance and sustenance for you where you don't even know where it comes from, but when you'll call upon his name, I promise he's faithful. And some of you who have started out fasting, you may have stumbled and fallen in the process. I want to encourage you what the book of Proverbs says, and I believe it's Proverbs 16, 24, or 24, 16, one of the two. It says, though a righteous man stumble and fall seven times, he rises again. I'm going to encourage you, if you've stumbled in your fast and, and, and you've uh, stumbled and, and said, I just couldn't do it, I couldn't make it through the day, and I've, I've stumbled and fallen, I'm going to encourage you, you're not a quitter. Get back up, pick back up right where you're at. There is grace for your place, amen? amen. God's not abandoning you, God's not disappointed in you, God's not upset with you, God's excited that you stepped out on this journey, and if you fall and stumble seven times, God says if the righteous man, he rises again. And so I'm going to believe you're going to rise again and continue to press through and encourage you in this fast. And I want us to finish strong all the way through January 31st. And how we want to finish strong as a church is this. We want to end uh, finishing strong with a 24-hour uh, time of prayer here at TWBC. Starting January 30th at 5 o'clock, we have four different clipboards up here that you can put your name and phone number on. And we want you to just sign up for an hour time slot, two-hour time slot, three-hour time slot. Whatever time you want to come up here and pray uh, from January January 30th at 5 o'clock till January 31st at 5 o'clock, right? 45 minutes before Feed My Sheep starts. We want to give you the opportunity to come up here, and we wanted to figure out an amazing way what God would have us do to end this awesome 21 days of prayer and fasting. And he said, Joel, I don't want you to just finish. I want you to finish strong. I want you to finish strong. I don't want it just to be, oh, we're done. Whew. We made it through. God doesn't want us to make it through. He wants us not just making it through, but ending on a high note, impacting the world with the kingdom of God. And we're going to do that by pressing in more than we ever have. And so we want to do a 24-hour prayer service right here at TWBC. We'll have all the sanctuary lights on. We'll have some awesome music, worship music playing over a 24-hour time period where you can come and fulfill what God has called you to do. We do ask that you would, um, if you are going to come and you can sign up on a time slot, sign up because we want to make sure people are 
here praying 24 hours straight to see what God does. Isn't it amazing to be a part of a church that's truly, man, we're, we're going to cross the line. We're going to be called those people who are going to trust God for everything that God is. And so, man, I'm excited about that 24-hour time of prayer. And so when we have an altar call here tonight, I want you to know that there's a pen and, a, and four clipboards up here. Come and t sign up for your time slot. Whatever God would have you do. And, I, and I'm already praying for those of you who sign up for 11 p.m., 12 a.m., 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and 6 a.m. And you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and come and give some time to the Father here at TWBC. I believe there are people who are truly, what I'll just say it like this, diehard believers that are saying, hey, it's worth getting up at 3 in the morning to come pray for an hour. It's worth getting on my face before God and sacrificing a little bit of my sleep so I can intercede for somebody else. And so, man, I'm going to encourage you to be bold. And, man, let's step out and do something crazy for the kingdom of God. So what if all your friends say, you're doing what? Absolutely I'm doing that. You know, when I went bungee jumping one time, people said, you're doing what? Absolutely I'm going to jump. When I went skydiving, they said, you're really going to jump? Absolutely I'm really going to jump. Jump out there. Be that Christian you've always wanted to be. Be that person you've always desired to be. This is your opportunity where you can be that person, but you don't have to be that person alone. Amen? You can do it with somebody and pray with somebody, and God's got amazing things in store. Also right now, a couple more quick announcements is we have our, our TWBC Kids Camp Fundraiser going on. We do chocolate-covered strawberries every year, and so over here on this table underneath the planted banner between the base group and the information center, you can grab a form and you can fill it out and order your chocolate-covered strawberries. So men, this is a big hint. You can order your chocolate-covered strawberries so you don't have to worry about Valentine's Day or anything like that. You can get it taken care of. They'll be delivered, Rachel and right on the 13th, on the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. So you can even just bring it in to your significant loved one and say, honey, I thought about you, and make sure they, they can do it. And by the way, the 24 hour, uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting will be done by then, so you can eat chocolate-covered strawberries. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And so that's going to be an exciting time. Also, the Kid Men Conference, if you would like to be a part of that, it's going to be January 27th. You can sign up with Miss Sherry Chester uh, as well. And on Wednesday nights, we don't take up a formal tithe and offering. But if you would like to give tonight, there's a mailbox on the back wall, and you can give there. And if you're visiting with us tonight, thank you for being at TWBC. We're excited that you're here, and we pray that God blesses your life in every way, shape, and form. And so we're in a series on Sunday mornings and Wednesday night. It's a combined series right now that we're doing called Planted. The Bible says this in Psalm 92, 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. And so we got three things that we want to throw out there as, as objectives or goals or keys to get roots and be planted. And number one is attending. We want you to show up at TWBC. I love this workout program that I used to do, and it was crazy, it was hard, but the guy at the end, he says, I know you're tired, I know you don't want to come back, I know you think you're finished, but just show up. If you just show up, I promise God's going to touch your life. Some of you tonight, I am so grateful that you're here because it took everything within your power to get you and your little loved ones, your precious angels in this building, and you're sitting here thinking, I get a break. <laughs> you know, that step of faith where you just did everything you could just to show up, God's going to bless that. I believe it with all my heart. God's going to honor that, and I'm grateful that you're here. But average church attendance for an active believer in America today is 1.8 Sunday mornings a month. Less than two Sundays a month is considered active church attendance. Well, I'm challenging you to hit three Sunday mornings a month or three Wednesday nights a month and get planted, truly show up. If I told my wife, honey, I'm planted at our house, but I showed up 1.8 days a week, I don't think she would think I'm planted. I think she would think I was straying. Amen. 
And so I want you to understand what planted means. Show up and we can worship together and attend and watch what God can do. I also want you to invite somebody. Man, tell your friends about what God's doing in your life. Say, hey, come experience God with me at TWBC. Come and be a part of what God's doing. You told me you were struggling in this area of your life or that area of your life. Come and join me right here at TWBC. Invite somebody. And also, as you're inviting, we want you to invest. And number one, that's your time, and we covered that in attendance. Your, your talent, and that's in your invest, inviting. That's what we just said. But also, I want to challenge you to step out there and give a tithe. Tithe, this is the only time in the Bible, in Malachi chapter 3, it says, test me in this. It's the only time God says, you can put me to the test. And he said, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing on your life that you do not have room enough for it. And so I'm going to challenge you, and this isn't a tithing message, but tithing is one of the greatest acts of spiritual warfare that you can do. For your kids, your family, your house, your career, your finances, trusting God with his first tenth, Amen. And I've heard it said, we got to pay God his tithes. You can't pay God his tithes because you can't pay him what belongs to him. You can bring him his tithes, right? But you can't pay him his tithes because they already belong to him. And so those are the, the, the three goals or the keys to being rooted in um, some of our theme verses of scripture. As you're in Mark 4, I'm going to read a couple of them out of Matthew chapter number 7, verse 15 through 17. And the Bible says this. Um, in Matthew chapter number 7, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are inwardly ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but every diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. So everybody say, I'm a healthy tree. <laughs> Notice you're not a plant, you're not a crop, you're a tree. Amen. And I love these Texas because we got some big oak trees, amen. You're a tree. That's what I envision every one of you like sitting in this place. You're a healthy tree. You're a good tree that bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Um, every, good tr every tree that does not, um, excuse me, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And then jumping over to Matthew chapter number 12 and verse number 33, it says, either make a tree good and its fruit is good, or make a tree bad and its fruit is bad, for every tree is known by its fruit. There he goes, calling you a tree again. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. And those are our key verses of scripture throughout this whole series, Sunday night and Wednesday, Sunday morning and Wednesday night that we're doing. And our heart is this. We want you to get planted fruit right where you are roots to where you're growing. We want you to start producing fruit right where you're at. But we want you to put down some strong roots, and that's what we're talking about on Wednesday night, to get you to where you're growing to, not going to, you're growing into something. As you're planted, you're going to grow into the things of the kingdom of God. And so what we're talking about on Wednesday night is the parable of the sower. And it's, Jeff said it great last week, it could also be called the parable of the soils. Or you could even rephrase it like this, the parable of your soul. The parable of your soul, the condition of your soul. In Mark chapter 4, he begins and it says, Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. So he got into the boat and sat in it out on the sea. And the whole crowd uh, came beside the sea 
on the land. And as he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on rocky ground. Everybody say rocky ground. Where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and that's what Pastor Hunter is going to talk about next week. And the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, a yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now let's jump down to verse number 13. I know I only got 16 and 17 on your handout, but I want to emphasize verse 13 for a second, then we'll jump down to 16 and 17. And Jesus said in verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand any of the parables? The sower sows the word. And that is the key to this whole parable. God is trying to sow word, not just, biblical, not, not just words out of the Bible, but his word revealed rhema word into your life as a seed in your life that'll grow and produce 30 and 60 and 100 fold. But there's some issues with that. And Jeff covered this one last week. And it says, and these are the ones along the path where the word was sown. And when they hear it, Satan immediately comes and takes the word uh, that, that was sown into them. And here's where we are tonight. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately fall away. And so as we jump into tonight's message, I want to talk to you very quickly about, first of all, good soil. Good soil. And when we read this, as we always do, many of us as we read this, we view ourselves as good soil. Amen? I, I believe that. When you read this, you look at this like, man, I want to be that person, God. When you give me your word, it's, it's so 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold return because you sowed it into some good soil. Amen. I believe with all my heart that you're good soil. Amen. I believe that when you're in here in the midst of worship and you're giving your heart to Jesus, that's not the, the anomaly of who you are once in a while. That's the potential of who you can be all the time. Amen. I truly believe that. And so I believe that your potential, because on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and when you worship and when you pray and when you minister, I see the greatness that's on the inside of all the believers of TWBC. And I believe you are good soil. I believe that there is so much potential in this room that it could literally change the world as we know it. And man, that can't happen unless it's good soil. And so I believe that you are good soil. But here's part of the problem. You show your potential when you're in here, but when you go out there, you're still dealing with the facts of the hardness of the path, the rocks in your life, and the thorns of your life that you're still dealing with. Notice I said when you're in here, you're dealing with who you truly are, the truth of God's word. See, I believe the truth of God's word will override the facts of your life. Amen? The truth never changes. God's word is going to be the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So I believe the truth of God's word will change the facts of your circumstances. Amen? Just because you came in here today and you were hard-hearted when you came in doesn't mean you got to be hard-hearted when you left, amen. And so in that, I'm saying the truth of God's word can change the fact of your heart and heart. And so in that, I want to encourage you that when you're in the presence of God, that's the, that's the you that you can really be all the time, and it's not just a fluke, amen. amen. It's not just a, 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 something that happens occasionally. So the truth is, the good soil is your potential, and it is not out of your grasp. 
Your current situation is this. Are you willing to let the great gardener, Jesus Christ, plow the hard soil, take care of the rocky places, and deal with the thorny places in your life? And so as we jump into this parable that he's talking about here, let's talk about the rocks just for a minute. As we talk about the rocks, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, when Jesus was talking, he wasn't addressing the lack of soil. He was addressing the amount of rocks. He wasn't addressing the lack of soil. I believe there is no lack of good soil in your life. So when you read this parable, a lot of us were looking at this like, wow, the answer is more soil. No, the answer is not more soil because he wasn't addressing the lack of soil. He was addressing the amount of rocks that you had to deal with. And so in your life, I'm going to begin to ask you this question. What are the rocks in your soil? And it's not always the big things or the big rocks. Now listen, I got three different size rocks up here. I got this rock. And we're going to consider this the, the, the catastrophic things in life. Okay? These are the big things. Man, these are the things, the rocks in your life, when, when this rock hits your life or this is in your soil, this is the one you know you can't deal with on your own. You automatically go to God. God, I can't deal with this. I can't handle this. This is too much for me. These are the massive things in your life that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it doesn't matter what you can do in your own power. You can fix the problem. You can change the situation. You can do anything to get out of it. It's going to take an act of God himself, almighty God, to come in and deal with this rock. Amen? We don't have trouble in the body of Christ giving these types of rocks to God. Why? Because we know we can't handle it on our own anyway. We know it's going to take an act of God to do it. These are like um, Moses coming up against the Red Sea. God, if you don't split the sea, we're all dying or we're all drowning. So I need you to move the sea. This is where Peter, he starts to walk on water, begins to sing. Jesus, I'm going to drown because it's crazy out here if you don't do something with this. Right? You, we've all been in these scenarios in our life. God, if you don't show up today, I won't be here tomorrow. Right? And so these are the big rocks in our life that God is, has to handle because we couldn't deal with it any other way. It's got to be done by God. This rock is a little bit different story. This rock is easy to pick up, easy to move, easy to take care of, but in your life you still need God to do some work on it. So these are the rocks in your life that, oh God, if you don't show up, my electric bill's not going to get paid. And, and so, so it's a rock that you could possibly work your way out of it yourself, but it's big enough that you need help with it. So we turn to God with it. And this is a rock that's in your soil. So some of your soil has rocks this size, probably not very many of them. Some of your soil has a lot of rocks this size. Because there's a lot of things that we need to call on God and we need God's help with. But if he doesn't show up, I can go get another loan from the bank and pay, pay the mortgage. If he doesn't show up, I can figure out a way. I'll get a second job. I'll do this. I'll do that. If he doesn't show up, I can in my own power somehow sustain and get my life through the tragic thing that I'm going through. And we have some of these, a lot of these rocks in our life. But the rock that's most concerning... It's this one. The rock that is most concerning is this one. 
the one that only you know what it is because only you can see it. See, you can't see my rock. It's a pebble. I can hide it from you. You don't even know I got a rock in my hand. Here, I can't hide it. You know I got a rock in my hand. Here, you're definitely saying, dang, pastor's got an issue. <laughs> right? Pastor's got an issue. Got issues with that. Can't hide this. You know I'm struggling. But these, the rocks in the soil, I believe these are the ones that concern Jesus most of all. I believe these are the ones that concern him most of all because when you have this in your life, and Pastor Derek ran out on me, so I was going to use him as an illustration. David, can you come up here and help me real quick? David, if you can just sit right here. And I'm going to embarrass you. If you can take your shoe off. All right. And you don't have to take your sock off, but I need you to stick this in your sock right under your heel. Okay? Now, this one doesn't fit, right? You can see it. There's a problem. He can't put his shoe back on. He can't, he can't do anything. You can put your shoe back on. And he can't hide this. He can't fit in there. This one definitely didn't even fit in the sock. I mean, this fits in the sock, and he can kind of hide it, but it would be kind of obvious. This one doesn't even fit in the sock. But that one right there that he has, he can hide it for a long time. He can actually even begin to walk. David, can you just walk kind of over there and come back? Looks like nothing is wrong with David. Looks like nothing is wrong with his life. Looks like nothing is happening. But David, you know there's something in your shoe. You can feel it. After a while, it becomes an irritant in his life. It becomes very irritating and it's a distraction to his everyday life and everyday routine. Because even though we can't see what the rock in his soil or in his soul or in his shoe really is, even though we can't see it every time he takes a step in his conscious and even in his subconscious, he's trying to focus on his everyday life, living for Jesus. But something is always on his mind and something is bothering him. And there's something he can't get rid of. You can't see it because it doesn't hurt him bad enough to cause him pain, but it's an irritant enough to distract him from his everyday life and everyday routine. The problem with the irritant that distracts you from your everyday life and everyday routine, it keeps you from focusing. Now listen, if he taped that to the bottom of his foot, he doesn't always wear these amazing, comfortable shoes. So when he puts on his work shoes or his church shoes or some hard-soled shoes, and begins to walk. It does a lot more than become an irritant. It literally begins to cause him pain in his life. And anything that causes, anything that is pain does more than distract. See, irritants are distractions and they distract you from everyday routine. Anything that causes pain is more than a distraction. Anything that causes pain literally does this to your physical body. It drains energy, strength, and nutrients from other areas of your body to focus on fixing the hurt that you're going through. So anything that is causing him pain over time, then it's not just an irritant, it becomes such a distraction because it's using energy to compensate for that pain. So every time he takes a step, it's taking more energy on that pain, on that foot, and it's drawing energy from every area of his life. And then at the end of the day, he gets home and says, God, my foot hurts. 
Can anybody in the house relate? Y'all kind of quiet in the house tonight. The problem isn't just that it causes pain and it draws energy. Pain not dealt with becomes a bruise even to the bone. And when it comes a bruise even to the bone, it causes you to walk with a limp. If you walk with a limp, your ability to perform at an optimal level that you were created to walk in becomes non-existent. Remember the good soil that I talked about? The you that's in the midst of the worship and the presence of God and the amazing place with God. And you don't have any of these in your life because you're not, um, if, I'm not if he doesn't take care of this tonight, I'll st I, you'll still be here tomorrow. You may have one of these, and in the midst of worship, we're all good at giving God these. Like, God, I'm going to trust you completely. I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you everything. But what about these rocks? What about this? Because if you don't deal with the irritant, the irritant becomes a pain that sucks the energy and life out of you. If you don't deal with the pain, the pain becomes a bruise. And when you have a bruise on the bottom of your foot, if you have a bruise on the bottom of your heel, it doesn't just bruise. Sometimes it can bruise all the way to the bone and you begin to walk with a limp. If you're walking with a limp, you'll never play basketball at an optimal level. If you're walking with a limp, you'll never go out and run a half marathon at an optimal time or optimal speed. If you're walking with a limp, you're not going to do anything of beneficial value that takes physical activity. Why? Because you're walking with a limp. And it's amazing how many believers in the house of God that we have that walk with a limp. Not because of this. Oh, the big ones. Oh, you need Jesus. You need to touch. They got an evil spirit about them or whatever it may be, you know. Oh, we don't walk with a limp because of these. We don't walk with a limp because of these. Because if this was in his shoe right now, he really, literally couldn't walk or do anything. He would have to stop and deal with the issue. But what about the issues that we can hide, that nobody else really sees, that we can put our, what I like to call, brave face on and come into church and everything's good when everything's not so good. It's not hurting bad enough that you're walking with a limp, but it sure is causing you a lot of pain. And when it causes pain, it's an ultimate distraction sucking the life out of you spiritually. If you put this in a spiritual context, the issue in your life that's sucking the energy out of you using the power of the Holy Spirit that's supposed to be pouring into you to pour out into the world is being poured into you to help fix you and the issues that you're dealing with. So... As we're going through this message tonight, talking about the, the different types of soil, when we, as we're talking about the rocky soil, you look at soil and it does have this type of rock in it. You look at other soil and it's got a lot of these rocks in it. But a lot of the issues I believe Jesus was talking about are these rocks. Are these rocks here. And I want to give you a true illustration because if I put a billion and billion and billion of those pebbles together and made a nice beautiful thing over uh, part of the lawn outside at the church and then and, and there's plastic where no weeds got in grass would somehow begin to sprout up through it y'all know we it happens at your house 
But what happens when it sprouts up through the rocks? Boop, no problem. Why? Because it has no roots. It's not rooted into the soil. It's just rooted down in between the rocks to try and get to the moisture that's collected on top of the plastic. And it's easy to pull out. So it had no root in himself. So I'm going to ask you, what are the rocks in your soil that God needs to begin to move so the word, the seed of his word, cannot gravitate around the rocks that you've been hiding in your life, but gravitate deep into the soil of your soul that's going to produce a 30, 60, and 100-fold return? And listen, only you know. Only you know. God's not up here telling me, well, so-and-so's dealing with that, and they got this issue, and they're dealing with that issue. And Nobody knows. Just you and Jesus. And you can hide it as long as you want to hide it. But I promise, the longer you hide the tiny things in your life, the longer it's going to affect the root depth growing deep into your life. Y'all give David a hand clap as he's being seated tonight. You can take that out over there if you want to. I don't need that one back. You can keep that rock as a souvenir, my man. And I want to get to the root part because of this. When it talks about uh, down here in uh, Mark chapter number 4, verse 16, it says, and these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. So God's trying to sow seed, and sow, sow seed into your life, and there may be rocky ground in your life. He's trying to sow seed into your life, and they're the ones who hear the word and immediately receive it with joy. So tonight, some of you are like, "Woo, this is good. I know I got to deal with rocks. You immediately receive it with joy, and the word of God is springing up in your life. But if you don't deal with the rocks when you go home, they still, the word of God still sprung up in your life, so there's potential. But listen, they're the ones who immediately receive it with joy. And when they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on the counter of the word, they immediately fall away. Now here's the key phrase, and I've never really read it like this before until I actually was studying for this message. It says, yet has no root in himself. Wait, wait, wait. Pastor, I thought we we're supposed to be rooted in the kingdom of God. I thought we we're supposed to be rooted in Jesus Christ. I thought we we're supposed to be rooted in all these places. This right here says, he has no root in himself. So as you're growing roots in, the, in your life, there should be such a change in you that you can get rooted in the word of God that's been planted in you in yourself. What that means is your, your roots don't need to grow into the message of Pastor Joel. Your, needs, your roots need to grow within yourself in the word of God that just sprung up in your life. Because so many people, they try to develop their roots into a pastor, into a Sunday school teacher, into a base group leader, into somebody else. When God says, you need to develop some root within yourself. Because like I said Sunday, Pastor Joel's not pastoring forever. I'm called to be a son more than a pastor. And so if your roots are solely dependent on my, the, the good word that I bring, I'm grateful that you're getting good word, but you need to figure out how to redevelop your root system. That's right. Jesus said right here, yet has no root in himself. Now listen to Matthew 12, Either make a tree good and its fruit's good, or make a tree bad and its fruit is bad. The tree is known by its fruit. And so the Matthew chapter 13 that's done right here with the Greek outside of it, it's the exact same parable as Matthew 4. It's in Matthew chapter number 13. Now listen to this. It says, what does it mean having no root in himself in the Greek? It means this. 
spoken of the one who has but a superficial experience of divine truth and has not permitted it to make its way into the most inner recesses of one's soul. I believe this happens a lot uh, in worship services. I believe this happens a lot in worship services. People have a, a, an experience with divine truth, but you don't let it permeate the innermost recesses of your soul. You don't let it go down into the depths of where you can develop some root within yourself because of the soil that's good. You're good soil, remember? And so when God plants a seed in you, he wants that seed to grow down deep into the soil of you. And so he's trying to remove the small rocks, the medium-sized rocks, and the big rocks. So as that root grows, it doesn't become a superficial root. It becomes truly rooted into the things and the word of God in your life. Listen to the next part of this. It goes on to say, in a figurative discourse of a person disposed to apostatize and introduce others to commit the same offense. So what does that mean? Your roots that you're growing within yourself, if you're not careful and they're not being rooted deep within the good soil of your life and just the rocks, you can literally, when you bring the word of God that inspired you tonight and tell somebody else about it, be causing the same problem in their life that you got in your life. Not helping them truly develop deep roots into the things of God, but superficial roots and experiences based on a moment where you encounter the things of God but you don't let it develop in enough to get planted or rooted deep down inside if you do not deal with the rocks the roots will never develop properly if you don't deal with the rocks in your life and I don't even know what any of the rocks are in your life I got enough of my own rocks that I'm dealing with that I'm not too worried about your rocks amen <laughs> That's why I don't throw rocks, because I don't want my rocks going into your life, and I don't want your rocks coming into my life. Amen. If we're going to throw them, let's just throw them away. Let's throw them into the things where Jesus has thrown them, into the abyss. Now, my questions are two, of, two questions for you tonight. Have we had superficial experiences with the things that we're accountable for? And what I mean by that is this. The things that are within our power to do. Forgiveness is within our power to do it. God cannot make you forgive somebody, right? Uh, he can't make Joel go forgive Johnny for something Johnny may have done since he stole my birthday, right? We have the exact same birthday. We were born the exact same day in 1977. He stole my birthday. God can't make me go forgive Johnny. That's within my power to do. That's within my power to do. Have, we, have I had a superficial experience in my life with forgiveness and say, oh, I've really forgiven them, but deep down in the recesses of my heart, there's still a rock there that's not letting the word of God get planted the way it needs to because it was a superficial experience, not a real one. And it's not that it really wasn't real, it's just that the forgiveness wasn't fully let go of, and so it may have got rid of this rock, but it was still... Because how many know when somebody hurts you bad enough that you got to go and deal with the forgiveness issue? It wasn't one of these that they put in your life. It was a bunch of these little ones. When they said this, it hurt me like that. And when they looked at me like this, it hurt me like that. And when they uh, turned, and, uh, turned and walked away, it hurt me like that. And when they, when they shouted back at me, it hurt me like that. And when they said I was unqualified or not good enough, it hurt me like that. So you got five rocks in your life right now from one instance. And you may have got rid of two of them, but three of them are still there. 
Unforgiveness or, or forgiveness is within your power. Repenting. What do I mean by repenting? I'm talking truly a mind change. Repenting is not running to the altar and bawling and crying and saying, oh God, I'm so sorry for everything I've done. That's not repenting. That's lamenting. The big difference between repenting and lamenting. Lamenting is crying and saying you're sorry and you're sorry for what you did, but are you sorry enough to truly change the way you think and act? That's repenting. Repenting is a change of thought process, a change of lifestyle. That's like on my Facebook post this week, I said, I don't want a lifestyle change. I want a life change. That can only be done by God. Repenting is within your power to come and say, God, I want a life change. I want to give it all to you. Have we truly come into this realm that I'm going to repent or have we repented say, I'm going to change my mind on this, this, and this, but I still like this. I still like this. I still like this issue that I have. I still, and I know that sounds weird to say, I like this issue that I have, but some of us like our issues. You don't want to change. I've talked to people who, who I, I, gosh, I don't want to feel like I'm just calling anybody out, but my, my dad has smoked for years. I said, Dad, why don't you just quit? And he said, I like my puffer. It's this little cigarette thing that he puffs on. I, he likes it. And until there's a true repentance, he'll never be delivered of it. And so what I'm saying is some of us like our issues. I've talked to several people who are addicted to smoking. They're like, I like getting, I like smoking. I like, well, let's use something real. How many of y'all like coffee and, you, and you're struggling on the 21-day fast to give up coffee, right? <laughs> Come on now. Thank you. We've got three, three or four honest people in the house. You know, Joel, Pastor Joel loves some coffee with a, no, I love a bunch of creamer. So I've had to give up creamer, not really coffee, Right? But do I like that issue enough that I won't repent of it in turn? So I got some issues in my life that, that are small rocks that I got to repent of. So forgiveness, repentance, worship. It's up to you if you're going to have a true encounter with God during worship. Our worship team does an absolutely fabulous and an amazing job. Every single time they get up there, they bring the presence of God into this place and it comes in an amazing way. But... God can't make you come into his presence and worship. That's on you. That's on you. So the things that with, are within our power to do, are we doing them to get into the presence of God? Or have we had superficial experiences with forgiveness, repenting, worship, faith? And you can go on and on with these lists of things that as believers after we're born again, it, it's our walk, our work, walking out, working out our salvation, the Bible says, with fear and trembling. It's those things that we're called to do to step into the presence of God. And we had a superficial experience with those things. But more than that, have we had a superficial experience with the things God is accountable for? And my number one is this. Have you had a superficial experience with grace or have you really tapped into grace? What is grace? Grace is this definition. It's empowered obedience. It's giving you the power, all the kingdom of heaven, unmerited favor is the actual truest definition of grace, unmerited favor God's given you to come into his kingdom. And my bigger concern is not the superficial experiences that you've had with things you're accountable for. Have we truly accepted God and the things that he's already paid the price for through Jesus Christ? 
his grace, his unmerited favor, his empowered obedience, his ability that, say, that says, and all grace will abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound on every good work. I don't want to have a superficial experience with his grace. I want to have a true encounter with his grace so that in all things, at all times, having all I need, I have empowered obedience to abound to every good work with his unmerited favor in my life. Have you had a superficial experience with his grace? Because you're saved by grace through faith. If you haven't had a true encounter with this grace, you've got to check if you really had a true encounter with your faith when you got born again. Because you're saved by His grace first through His faith. Secondly, and I'll end with this, have you had a superficial encounter with Jesus Christ? Have you had a superficial encounter with your Lord and Savior? And what I mean by that is, you came up front and you prayed a prayer and you, and you did everything right except you didn't let the roots grow so deep that he planted deep within your life. And I'm going to ask you tonight to have a true encounter with Jesus Christ. Go deeper with him than you've ever gone. I love what King David said. He says, test me. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked way within me. Know my anxious thoughts, he goes on to say. Then he says, but lead me in the way of everlasting, of salvation. I'm going to ask everybody to stand tonight.